Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, Stephanie, how's it going? Pretty good. It's another episode of Fixing Your Agile Coaching. A lot of great comments have been coming in. Really excited that people have been liking, subscribing, and doing all those great YouTube things that we're supposed to mention as good hosts. So like, subscribe, smash that like button, leave us comments, give us a thumbs up, do all that fun stuff. Tell your friends about all the awesome things that Stephanie's sharing on this show, and I think uh, they'll get a lot out of it. So I'm professional scrum trainer, Ryan Ripley. This is professional scrum trainer and coaching extraordinaire, Stephanie Ackerman. We have another topic today, Stephanie. I think this is a really fun one. I like thinking about this kind of stuff because we have to get... What I like about this framing is, you know, it's beyond the scrum and complementary agile practices. So I can't just sit here and say, well, story mapping would be good. And, uh, you know, it, or go read, you know, Stephanie's book on being a professional scrum master and then check out Jeff Watts's book and then maybe read my book. And like, we can't just live in that comfortable bubble, right? So we're popping that bubble. And what we're saying is, other than that stuff, scrum and agile stuff, what are the other, not without the other knowledge? skills, ideas, all the things that we need to be an effective Scrum Master. So where does your mind go with this? If we take the the Scrum and Agile stuff out of play, the, if we take the comfortable stuff out, where, do, where do you typically drift to? Yeah, uh, so many things come to mind here. And, and I was trying to think about like, where would I start? And I think the first place is listening skills. Yeah. Like, I mean, communication skills broadly, but you like, you almost have to start with listening skills. Um, so really getting to be a, a deep listener, but it, it's bigger than that too. It's like a really good observer. 
right? Like a neutral observer where like, you're just kind of picking up on stuff that's happening around and, you know, getting curious about it, right? So listening, I think is such an important skill um, and observation, being able to kind of pull in and see different things and like make connections. Um, so, so I would start with listening and then um, it, it kind of comes into like your personal leadership skills, which maybe emotional intelligence is the best place to start there, right? Like self-awareness, self-management, um, empathy, and, you know, the actual social skills around being able to effectively engage with people based on, you know, understanding them better. Yeah, I, I think this is a good start. And I I typically drift in a different direction, mm-hmm. right? So I I actually, when I was, and I'm still learning, and so I don't want it to sound like I, I have completed my Scrum Master <laughs> journey. Like, I don't want it to come across like that at all, because I'm still... Uh, you can't see my desk and I'm not going to switch views because it's a mess, but it's littered with stacks of books. I'd imagine I see a stack of books right over your shoulder. Yeah. So there's, I'm constantly like, and that is a read stack. So that stack will get through at some yeah. point. Mine's on the floor over here. Yeah. Uh, and so we're constantly digging what I, and, and I, I I'm going to have to throw some caveats on this. What I found early on in my, my scrum master career that relationship books were so mm-hmm. foundational. And there's one that really, there's a book called Love and Respect. Hmm. And it and so for those out there that are worried about my marriage or or all that, it's like Kristen and I are doing great. Like we have a very strong marriage. We're we're doing we're very happy. Uh, you know, and I and I think she would agree. Um, but the book itself really talks about how to get out of these kind of vicious cycles of poor communication, relating poorly to others, and how like really. It talks about the maturity of people. And, and, and what I liked is you when you read books like this, because I'm not saying that a scrum, that developers and the product owners, they're not all married on a scrum team, but you're spending more time with these people than you do with your family in many cases, right? And so you start seeing some dynamics occur where this person won't speak up and that person is, mm-hmm. is, is angry, but holding it in. And, and these, these books start, they, they give you tools. At least they give you better questions to ask. And so maybe I kind of drift in that space. Like what good question could I ask to reveal? And I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I love that. And what you're reminding me is um, like, I have a whole collection of Brene Brown books on yep. my bookshelf. Right. Yep. And so a lot of that, it is, it is around ourselves, but it's around how we engage with others. Right. It's like how we are hearing what they're saying to us, how we are showing up with them and where maybe that is that coming from a place of, you know, like I know there's, she's done a lot of work around vulnerability that people are aware of, right? Like, where's this coming from? Um, so yeah, like definitely those have been some of the most powerful things that have helped me be a better listener and try to understand like, how am I being perceived? How am I perceiving this other person that may or may not be fair, right? Yeah. You know, and then how do we come into this with like a greater level of mutual, like, respect and love, quite frankly, like, you know, it, it, we don't use that word a lot, but it's like, I love people and I love engaging with people and I want people to feel loved and I want them to feel I deeply care about them. And I want to feel like they deeply care about me um, and appreciate me. Um, so yeah, like I, I love that the, all and there. That's, there is so, so much great work out there. Um, and I, I frequently go back and reread um, my Brene Brown books. They've been very, um, fundamental for me. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, do you keep going back to that book as well? Yeah. So there, there's a handful of books. 
Yeah, it it's it's a I'll if you I'll send it out to you. And if yeah. you I've got multiple copies. It um because what I do is I wreck books. So I'll <laughs> highlight and I write and I take my own notes and I but then there I don't know about you, but I, I have like this roster of books that I reread every year. And so the fact that I'm buying new books is crazy yeah. because I've I, and and so I found this advice. I think it was actually um, it came from Augustine. This was like from a, a, a guy that a theologian that lived in 100 to as like somewhere 100 or no, it was more like 200, 300 AD. And he, he basically had this practice. There were certain books that he would just, these are cherished. You should reread them because you don't have time to read every book in the world. So you got to find the, the, the good ones, but above all else read. That was kind of his, that's a poor paraphrasing of, of a lot of his thoughts there. But, and I, and I, that really struck me. And I was like, maybe I should like pick out five or six books that I just, so Secrets of Consulting by Weinberg is one that I have to check back into. Uh, Love and Respect is another one. There's a handful of books that, and maybe that's a skill, just find discerning good knowledge and information and making sure yeah. it's front, front and center um, at all times, right? Yeah, I love that, right? Um, it's, it's that like ability to integrate yeah. It, you know, not just read a book to read a book and, and like plow through them. Um, I'm actually a really slow reader. And part of it, like, I mean, I think we're all different in that capacity. But like, I know that I like, it's going to take me a while to make it through a book of that, like a nonfiction book where I'm like, truly trying to integrate yeah. and understand, like, how does this connect to what I already know? And then how am I going to like, actually embed this way of thinking? into how I'm showing up and then how can I tangibly practice this? Um, and, and I love that, like just that ability to integrate your learning and the discernment of, is this helpful? Maybe it's not. So I'm going to let that go. And then, but this other thing, like I see how that can help me be better with X, Y, Z. And then you truly integrate that. Um, it, that it's almost, that. it's almost like you're creating wow. your own theory. Hmm. And, and that's what I like too. And, and, you know, to, to the other book discussion real quick. Some, what I have found too, and I didn't realize you could do this until later in life. You can just stop reading a book. That's not helpful. You <laughs> can quit. <laughs> it's like, and I used to plow on because I, I start and it's like, ah, this isn't toss it. Life's too mm-hmm. short. Right. Yeah. But I think as we start reading and listening to podcasts and watching videos like this, we start building up a theory of what we believe around you know, scrum masters and teams and relationships and people and organizations. And, and I think that's an important skill too. Can you build up your own theory right. and challenge that and refine it instead of just parroting what, yes. what thought leaders yes. have been saying, right? Yeah, I think and that's it's a like, huge skill. And it's the evolution of it, right? Like knowing yeah. it's always evolving and it is built upon by great thought leaders, but it's built upon also by my experience and how yeah. I'm making it my own and creating my own meaning with it, but also not being too attached to any of it. Right. Yeah. And that's part of the evolution. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Some, something else that as far as like a skill or mm-hmm. knowledge, I've been really going back to the classics. Like I'm a big fan of just logic and mm-hmm. maybe like looking at some of the, like a classical education, like, can we go back to, like Aristotle and, and, or Pluto or Plato or, um, play, one's a dog, one's a, <laughs> one's a philosopher. So, um, both and, and be valid. Both, both are valid. Right. But I mean, just basic, like 
logic and reason and 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 that i think that can lead to discernment and so i mean that yeah discernment was in my head and and so i think that's probably a weird answer but i think how many of us actually took a logic course in school and so and i loved it (laughs) i know right but it also taught us our our fallacies and our thinking and our biases and Mm -hmm. and so i think some of that a skill back to that word discernment, but we can build that up through like more classical topics, right? Yeah, I love that. And like, it doesn't have to be about product development or, you know, like product, like, you know, anything related to the work we do, like we can pull from other sources um, and integrate those concepts, um, you know, into into this worldview or this life theory that we continue to evolve and work, yeah. Um, and you know, it, I, I do want to come back to like, there are some actual like tangible skills that I know as a scrum master, like I really had to like quickly grow when I, it was like, I was okay, but I recognized like, oh, I need to up my game. Um, you know, when it comes to facilitation skills, uh, and what I want to point out is we all just learned in the past 15 months or so, you know, like the way I did it before is probably not enough. And I need to now up my game in terms of how do I facilitate in this new virtual world where we're tiny little boxes, right? Um, So I think that's an area where like, you're always changing. You're you're always looking at like, how do I get better at facilitating given I'm working with different humans who have different needs and our own, our problems that we're dealing with are changing over time. And, you know, sometimes I'm very focused on a small team. And then sometimes I need to help um, wide scale in an organization, maybe facilitate larger, complex, cross-impacting organizational challenges. And how do I facilitate, you know, like 50 plus people? Uh, You know, so I think there's always like room to grow. Um, Facilitation is a key skill. But what that looks like so many things um, come up there. And I think that's one that I've always been like challenged and been like, oh wait, I, I, need, to, I need to grow here. Yeah, and, and I think part of that, and I don't know if it's knowledge or a skill or a blend of both, is almost like a fearlessness, mm. right? And, and because when it comes to learning facilitation, for example, you have, you have too many options. You could do liberating <laughs> structures. You could use training from the back of the room. You could use um, learning 3.0 ideas. I mean, there's, there's endless yeah. theories. And, so go try something and be yeah. willing to have it go sideways mm-hmm. and trust yourself to correct it. And, and, I, and I, so that's a skill, right? I think mm-hmm. believing that you have the ability to correct whatever crazy situation is going on, mm-hmm. if you facilitate in the wrong way, pause and say, hey, I'm really sorry, that went, that went sideways, like, can we restart? And let's go again. And, and not have that that concern that, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not sure if that's knowledge or a skill, but just that ability to say, well, that didn't go great, what's next? And, yeah. and what you're describing, I think, is a whole nother skill set. It's this ability to truly deeply reflect on yeah. ourselves, right? And and be, you know, objective and, um, you know, be able to mine it for learning and then choose like, okay, what am I going to do now? It might have just gone awry and that just was the situation, right? But I'm able to reflect and discern and decide, okay, you know, that's just, I learned something. Okay, probably not going to yeah. try that in this scenario again. But maybe it's about, you know, that was my first time trying it. So I obviously didn't do it perfectly or great, right? Like, so what can I do differently next time? How can I apply that learning as quickly as possible? Um, so yeah, like just being able to reflect and learn um, and grow yourself is a huge aspect 
of this ability to like, don't be afraid to fail, like try something, see what happens. And for me, like, I don't know if I'm, I'll be curious to know your answer here. I really feel like I developed that, that skill when I really went down the path of coaching skills. Like when I went down the path of like recognizing, so this is a whole other skill set we didn't name yet that I need to level up my coaching skills. Um, and so I went into, you know, kind of professional coaching training and it, you're sort of, you're getting coached while you're learning coaching. I mean, that's kind of like how the curriculum works and that aspect of like getting coached, like really that idea of like self-reflection and like having somebody help you see different things and helping challenge your assumptions and your beliefs and, oh, and show you other possibilities that, you know, and actually help you tap more into what you want and what's important to you. Like that all grows your fearlessness, right? It all grows your ability um, to navigate the complexity of life. Yeah. I, I've never gone down the professional coaching path, right? That's not, it's just not something that, um, that, I mean, I, I hope I have many more years here. Um, maybe I'll get there. So how did you get fearless? Um, I just, I, I hit a certain point in my career where I, where I was just okay with my badge not working or, <laughs> you know, it, it just at a certain point, and, and I don't know when it is. If you were to ask me what the date and time, I don't know. But I hit a certain proficiency or level in my career where I was like, you know, this is going to be okay, regardless of how this works out. Like this one moment is not going to decide whether or not I can feed my family. Or I mean, I, I married very well, and you know, my wife is perfectly capable. I mean, we, at some point, you just hit this this moment where it's like it's going to be okay. Yeah. And and I don't know how how I got there. Um, or how I was given that. Um, I just, and then from that point forward, it was just, we're going to try things. We're going to be more interesting in, in the work. Um, I'm going to take more risks because people deserve, I think people deserve our best. And if we're doing the tried and true and safe, we're going to get more of the same. So mm -hmm. at some point I just realized I can't be effective in the scrum master role unless I'm a little more fearless. I'm not saying reckless. Right. I'm saying, but willing to try something, willing to be wrong, willing to fail, um, because I know I can recover. I trust myself to be able to recover. Well, and what I love there is you're really just saying you just truly embraced and embodied agility. Right. Right. It's like taking it that step further where we're no longer just talking about it and teaching it. It's like your life experience has shown you that like, oh, wait, this actually, this is real. And it doesn't just apply to product development. It doesn't just apply to my scrum team. It doesn't just apply at work even. How many bad decisions do we make in life because we're worried about being a little uncomfortable? Mm. Yeah, that, well, other and, people might think. Right. And and that that's what really hit me. There are very few decisions in life or work that, that I've personally made, I can't speak for anyone else, that would have detrimentally wrecked my life. Mm-hmm. Very few decisions. I mean, there's been a handful where if, if it had gone the wrong way, things would be really, really bad. Um, but those are very few and far between. And once you realize what you're really worried about is a little discomfort, mm -hmm. I think that's freeing. Yeah. So it's like that knowing yourself again, right? Like that yeah. kind of like looking around and being like, what is what is this stuff that like is put on me from society that's not really mine. And I'm just going to like put it over here and wait a second. Like it's a little more freeing. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's, it's sort of like just stepping in. It's like the more self-knowledge and self-awareness and like 
like that just grows your self-trust, right? And 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 your your world, it kind of also comes back to that discernment lens around like, is this yeah. mine or is this like some fear that is probably very low percentage likely to happen, right? Yeah. And, and, and I think once we get there, we then have the, we have the opportunity to be principled. Mm-hmm. And when we become principled, right, when we truly believe in something mm-hmm. and we want to live that out, and we want to live that truth that we we've locked onto, I think everything else falls into place. And yeah. so I think, yeah, mm-hmm. no, go ahead. Well, you were just bringing it full circle for me around like that helps you be an effective scrum master because people just, they trust you. They want to follow you because you're principled and they believe that you want what's best for them and that you believe that we're all going to be able to navigate. We're going to figure it out together you know, like we're, we're, you know, it's, it's that, that feeling, right. When you truly become that amazing go-to scrum master and um, it just, it comes it's like what I love that this whole conversation has, has reminded me of is you can practice these skills anytime, right. It's the, you know, you can practice a lot of these skills outside of the actual scrum master role Um, and so like, let's take advantage of those opportunities and and it doesn't just make us better scrub masters. It makes us better humans. It makes us better. It makes us feel better about living life. Right. Well, and and I think when we actually approach people in this way, marriages, relationships, um, the way we interact with our kids, with our nieces and nephews, whatever interactions you have, they all improve. Yep. Right. They just become more meaningful. And when you can actually show up in a principled, empowered type of way, I just think the love is easier. Forgiveness is easier. Grace is easier because we're all just messed up human beings, you know, who who need those things. And and it just flows a little easier when we pick up these skills that we've kind of built through. But it's, it's almost like um, these skills lead to kind of like a, a transformation or the opportunity for a transformation in ourselves that then lead to um, greater things. And so that's, I think, hopefully that makes sense, or maybe we've gone too philosophical, but um, I I just, I don't know the time or place where I got, and I'm not done. I'm still a messed up human being that screws all this up and um, causes fights and does messy things. And, um, but each day we try to get a little better. So maybe patience, forgiveness, yeah. right? Not beating yourself up or skills too, but eventually I think we get there. Absolutely. I love where we took it. Cause you know, this, a lot of times there is this desire to like, give me the checklist and I'm going to go learn this. I'm going to check it off. I'm going to go learn this. I'm going to check it off. And, you know, like, sure, we could go down that path a little bit, but I, but a lot of this is just being aware about how we're living life and learning through life. And, you know, it comes back ultimately to servant leadership, right? Like everything we've been talking about is about servant leadership. And that's why the scrum master role, we've often talked about it as a servant leader role. Um, And when we show up that way in life, it brings a lot of great things to us. Yeah. It's amazing what's possible when you're not the most important person in the room. (laughs) It it really is crazy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and if you really want to dig into this stuff, check out Greenleaf's work. Mm-hmm. I think Robert Greenleaf back in 72 published a paper on servant leadership. Um, he used, and I think he used the greatest model of servant leadership who's ever lived as a basis of his paper. And uh, I think if you really dig into that, you're going to find some really um, 
a really interesting way to approach people in life. So maybe that's the, the, the great skill there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Stephanie, I think we took this in a fun direction. Thank you for that. Um, I hope that this was helpful. Please be sure to like and subscribe. Check out the socials. Oh, wait a minute. I also forgot. So we're back. AgileSocks.com. Be sure to check out Stephanie's stuff. Great cohorts, classes, self-guided, self-paced learning, videos, blog posts. She's got a lot of great stuff out there that I'm sure will help with these skill questions that will help with. Um, I think what we're talking about here is really a maturity journey through these skills and practices as a scrum master. And she's got a lot of great material on that. So be sure to check out AgileSocks.com for all of these offerings that Stephanie has. Now we're going to shift back to the end plate. Like and subscribe. Check out the videos below. You know, I'm going to leave it at that. Just a fun conversation. We hope you liked it. Let us know in the comments. Helpful, not helpful. What could we talk about next time? And uh, for Stephanie Ackerman, I am Ryan Ripley. Go out there and fix your Agile coaching. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on.